I'm Marcus Ozzati. And this is Passport Necessary. Uh, this is a podcast that's dedicated to what it's like being a TCK, uh, how it's affected us uh, now as adults, and what it was like for us as kids. Mm-hmm. And today we are going to be getting into a very fun subject area. We're going to be talking about religion. Which is always good fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, excuse me, my background is... Uh, both my parents were raised uh, Catholic. Um, mm-hmm. My mom comes from southern Louisiana, which is a primarily Catholic region. And then my father comes from Normandy, which is also fairly Catholic. Yep. Um, and then when they had me, they very quickly decided we're not raising our mm-hmm. child with any sort of religion. <laughs> so um, I had a very interesting way of growing up where I, you know, I basically learned the different religions of the countries that we moved to in a very abstract way where we would go to temples when I was in South Korea or when we were living in Guatemala, we would see a lot of parades that would happen on different saints Mm -hmm. days or we would um, see like different um, shrines that were created on the sides of roads or in different areas for different saints. it wasn't really until I got to Japan that I started actively thinking about, you know, religion and how it affected that country and that society. Yeah. Um, I just didn't really think about it before then. And yeah, what about you? Yeah, I mean, because um, my dad says he's Catholic. I don't think he's actually particularly strict at all. He never, he never actually taught us it that much about it. Uh, my mother comes because her father was from India and her mother was from the UK my grandmother is Church of England which is basically kind of I suppose kind of what you say it's a state religion of the United Kingdom well certainly of England anyway Uh, but my grandfather came from a Muslim family so between my parents, I, I, she was she was never brought up as a Muslim or particularly particularly religious at all. I don't think she's I think she's a little suspicious of it, uh, which is understandable. Um, but I think my sort of first real thinking about this sort of stuff is my mother told us that you know a little bit about Islam, not a lot. And we were taught a little bit about Christianity because we knew about this sort of stuff. But my real sort of first thing, actually, weirdly, in sort of seriously looking into religion and thinking about it a bit, was a TV series that I think was done in the 1990s by Terry Jones, who was who sadly died at the beginning of this year, end of last year. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the Pythons, he did a series on the Crusades. And that was the first time I really sort of was shown what religion sort of was and the differences between religion in a weird way i mean it was a particularly it was a particular kind of way of looking at history he he likes to kind of show a kind of counter narrative to certain historical viewpoints and that's what he does through a lot of his programs which is interesting mm-hmm. but it's the first time i ever sort of like really sort of like had a look at it and saw it and obviously living in japan you would see the temples and we'd take it around the temples and stuff like that but you never saw them as particularly you saw them as religious things, but not necessarily, you didn't worry about them so much. It's, sort of, it's like the equivalent of somebody walking through the UK and seeing a church here and there. Mm-hmm. It was Because it was just normal. That's what you would see. That's just part of the architecture. and That's part of the space. But then the first time you start thinking about it is when you suddenly see that your family has two 
clearly different religions, i.e. Christianity and Islam. And then you see stories of these two being pitted against each other in a particular way, which is really bizarre and interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's sort of my introduction is that the different people have different views particularly mm-hmm. is the idea these people see different views but you can see that your heritage sits on either side of the divide right. Catholics against a particular form of Islam which is interesting and you start looking into the two religions and trying to see how they're different uh, and that's, that's more a heritage thing than an actual sort of introduction into a particular sort of uh religion as such you know i was never i mean i was baptized as a catholic but my parents sort of say they regret it i was never put in through any sort of particular catholic thing at all like you didn't do confirmation or any of that no 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 none of that Um, (laughs) i also was uh baptized apparently there's a fun story my grandma likes to tell is that when i was very little i don't remember her but she was like my great grandmother i think um, she was still alive at the time and she basically took me and baptized me in the kitchen sink because apparently, <laughs> well, you yeah, you can do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, if you you're Catholic, you can baptize whomever. It doesn't matter. They don't have to be a priest or anything. So I have been baptized. So my baby mm-hmm. soul was saved according to yeah. the Catholic religion, but I've literally done nothing else to continue to save my soul. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, just as long as you're wiping away the original sin, that's all that matters. Is it? Yeah, it's a weird one. I know. I remember my mom telling me that. I think no, I think it was my grandma telling me that. I was like, and no one was like, maybe not. They were like, yeah. I mean, it doesn't hurt. It's just a little water. I was like, okay, that's yeah. fine. I don't mind. Um, yeah. And then since then, my parents, not that they were non-religious, it was more mm. that we talked about it when I was much older. I think it was in my teens when I asked them, you know, why didn't you? raise either my brother and I with any religion and they said well honestly we just wanted you guys to make your own decision and figure out what you wanted for yourself because Mm -hmm. both of them had been raised where it wasn't really a choice for them there was this feeling you had to go to church you had to participate you had to go to these things and especially for my mom she's a lot more vocal about it my my dad has never really actively talked about um, you know, his religious upbringing. But I know that from my mom, she never really enjoyed any of it or really felt right. very strongly attached to it. And in fact, when she was in high school, she had been, uh, she went to Sacred Heart Academy uh, where like all the mm-hmm. teachers were nuns. So it was quite <laughs> religious. Um, and they kept trying to get her to, um, I, I think, confirmation that's like the last thing you need to do is that the last confirmation is where you say that you understand what's going on essentially and you agree to it it's it's an interesting idea because it happens in the church of england as well so the catholics have confirmation and the church of england have confirmation as well which is you get baptized as a child Mm -hmm. you know so you, you kind of that's your induction but you have to go through confirmation in order to say, yes, I believe in all this stuff and I understand it and I am like, you know, a member of the Catholic faith or I am a member of the Church of England. You have to agree to it. Essentially. And then there's another step, isn't there? I think there's like one more step. And there might be. Whatever it was, my mom refused. She refused <laughs> to do it. And like the nuns were like, you have to do this. And she was like, no, I don't have to. I don't believe in it. I'm not no. going to do it just because you want me to do it. I have no interest in this. And actually my mom like specifically 
like chose to leave the church. Like she was like, I'm no longer going to church in a religious believing way. Mm -hmm. Um, I was, I don't know how old she was. I don't think I was around yet, but she went to a mass for Christmas. Um, Mm -hmm. And this must've like really affected her because she like describes it very specifically, but she went to mass for Christmas and the priest spent the entire time basically talking about how women were servants to men and they should be in the kitchen and they should be barefoot making babies and that's all that they were supposed to do and that was their catholic duty and my mom said okay and she left and she never went back to church (laughs) in a religious way and she like we've been to churches we visited Mm -hmm. churches we did it in europe and we went around and looked at them but there was never an element of like we need to go and pray. It was more just like, look at the the artwork. Let's go to see all the architecture. And like, isn't this so interesting? All the stories. It was more about, this is an interesting aspect of history and culture and architecture and not, this is part of your heritage or part of your upbringing. Yeah. It's interesting because I mean, like that, that wouldn't be my sort of, for, I mean, because I think particularly in Britain, it's interesting, as you know, particularly talking about Catholics, because obviously France is, it, 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 you know, it's a Catholic country nominally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the I think certainly the French had a particular thing where they had special dispensation from the Pope to an extent to be able to run the church in France in their kind of own way. The popes and things were never actually always as powerful as people made out that they were. Mm-hmm. So, particularly, it's the thing is that when first the this is going back into history, but when, when first Henry VIII was trying to get divorced from his first wife, Catherine of Aragon, England specifically. I mean, we're not talking about the whole of Britain because it was divided at the time. England was specifically still Catholic. Mm-hmm. So, in order to get his marriage annulled, he would have to go through the Pope. The problem was, the Pope was kind of being handed around by all these powers in Europe, and one of the people I think it was was Charles V in the Holy Roman Empire, mm-hmm. was a relative of Catherine of Aragon, who was Henry VIII's first wife. So he had vested so, interest in making sure that they stayed married. Yes, and so the popes weren't necessarily as powerful as people make out, and there were even periods in, 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 in European history where there were two popes. I love I that story. People. There was a time where we had three there was could, a time in history where we had three popes and they were all arguing that the other one was not the real yep. pope. I love that. It's so great. It's so weird. But I mean, it's just kind of the weird thing about the Catholic Church. This is not this monolithic thing that people think it is, but particularly in France, that's why you have Avignon mm-hmm. used to be the seat of one of the popes. And it's funny because I think the Catholic Church is much more diverse and weird than people think it is. That's because there so are certain weird. things that go on in Spain that you would just not see in other parts of the world because... It's it, Catholic Church is malleable. It's weird. It can it, it moves. Mm-hmm. It shifts and divides. So you could be a Catholic, but it's kind of but Catholic just means all embracing, right? Which is interesting because in the Anglican Church or the Church of England, if there's something in line in there talking about you know how you believe in 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 the Church. They call it the Catholic Church, hmm. and Catholic just means all embracing. Interesting. It's literally within um, Church of England text to say, I believe in the Catholic Church, which is, they mean, the all-embracing church. It's just Not to say... Not the religion 
Catholic. Not yeah, okay. We don't just we just don't like the Pope. This is essentially <laughs> what they're saying. <laughs> we like the religion. We don't like this man. <laughs> yeah. Which is what we're gonna do it our way. It's so interesting and I yeah. definitely agree with you on that on how malleable it is because mm. that was something I, I like started noticing when I was living in Guatemala was that people there were ostensibly Catholic. They yeah. you know, they they went to mass and they would practice like a lot of Catholic service and they would always say like, bless you. And like, it, it was quite, you know, a, a Catholic based society, but there were also ways of interacting with saints that felt closer yeah. to a more, I, I hate the term, but more pagan, more like based on smaller deity, older deities mm, that existed yeah, there yeah. before the Catholics came there. And there were just certain ways of, you know, it was, it was saint worshiping where it was, mm-hmm. it was specific to a saint, not, you're not praying to the one and only God. You're praying to a specific, like, yeah. you're going to keep me safe and you're going to make sure I travel well, and you're going to make sure that I have a long life. Like you would go to very specific saints for very specific reasons. You wouldn't just go to church and say, I need help, which is, I feel like what the more European aspect is is that you go and you believe it's the one god the only god he's the one who or they whatever have the power but within at least my experience in guatemala it seemed to be yes you believed in god but you also believed in all these smaller saints that had some deatific elements to them who would protect you and help you and guide you through life so it's just, it's still yeah. Catholicism. They still absolutely believed, but it was a little bit more branched out and specific, I found. Yeah, because it's, it's interesting because, I mean, if you look at the way, which was historically, you got the schism, which I think was in 1054 when the what we now call the Catholic Church split from the Orthodox Church, which sits in Eastern Europe. So those two are kind of like the things that kind of were left over from the Roman Empire and they would deliberately split at a certain point by the Catholics I think as far as I can remember if I do my history right uh, so, so the Catholics you know I mean that, that particular thing with the Pope in Rome they've had I mean certainly since the schism they've had about a thousand years of working this stuff out mm-hmm. and they certainly had a lot longer than that I mean you know so you go back to Constantine which mm-hmm. who was declared Emperor of Rome in the city that I am sitting in now apparently um, <laughs> So that's a bit of a fun historical fact for you. York's important. It matters. <laughs> um, we have religious significance. <laughs> well, it's true. It's interesting. Is it actually it genuinely is where, where the first he he wasn't Christian at the time, but it's the first Christian emperor was declared emperor in York. That's so interesting. Yeah, that's fascinating. Uh, 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 there's a lot of historical stuff that goes into how he got declared emperor and all that sort of thing, but. Uh, but th- you know, initially with the Romans, that first emperor was kind of like tried to keep things under control. So essentially, it was kind. They end up coming to a kind of agreement. But the thing is, the Catholics have a long period of history of trying to convert people and trying to move people into this idea of religion. And to an extent, you, they, they have a kind of pragmatic way of doing, it, which is, yeah, people are not going to give everything up, but we'll take some stuff that they like and put it together. It doesn't. Re- it doesn't really 100% matter that we follow the Bible absolutely 100%. It's one of the misconceptions I think that people have about Christianity and Christians is that, oh, they follow the Bible 100%. They don't. Catholics mm-hmm. definitely don't. 
and they no, know that they don't. They don't. The theologians <laughs> know not. that they don't. I mean, you know, there is because I was talking to somebody earlier about it today. Actually, I was talking about um, the way the Catholics think about things. You certainly got, you know, you have earth, heaven, and hell. Definitely, they exist in sort of certainly in the Catholic thing. But you also have this fourth one, which is purgatory, mm-hmm. and that's not in the Bible at all. Yep, that was created. Yeah. yeah, it's its own thing. And it's interesting because when you start looking at how the Church of England looks at purgatory mm-hmm. versus like the Catholics look at purgatory, it's very different. And I don't know, it's just so, exist. yeah, and it doesn't exist. But the Catholics, it's like, that's a thing. It's like a yeah. real thing, but it has nothing to do with the text. There's no text. Yeah. There's no part of the Bible that says there is a purgatory and your soul's no. just going to kind of stick there if you are in the middle. I was like, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> but this is also other stuff. Like, I mean, like the Catholics aren't particularly bothered about the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. They kind of ignore it. It's still in the Bible, but they don't listen to it. They, they pay no attention to it. They don't even really pay attention to the Old Testament that much. Oh, either. no. There's so many people when the, you like go back into the Old Testament and you look at it. When you look at how like kind of mean that god Mm. was and how like when you look at jewish religion they actually focus a lot more on the old testament and the teachings in that they have to yeah yeah and it's that's their book (laughs) that's the book that's what you got and it's so interesting how like when you look at a lot of modern christians they basically just kind of like glance over the book the new the old testament it's like your most of your religion is actually founded upon that. And then all they talk yeah. about, especially Catholics, they're like, oh, we have such a benevolent God, such a kind God. Mm-hmm. Then you go back to the Old Testament, you're like, he just like flooded the earth, <laughs> like yeah. punished Adam and Eve out of the garden because they didn't follow one rule. Like there was a lot of stuff where it's very extreme. Yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> it's one of these things is that, you know, it's just, I think certainly... One of the things that, I, un, as I understand it, comes across in the New Testament is the idea of mercy. God is merciful. Mm-hmm. That's important. Whereas I think, God, I could be completely wrong, but I think, I think to an extent in Judaism and in Islam, what God is concerned with is justice. Yeah, not it's mercifulness. Different. Yeah, and there's, a two, there's a two interesting ideas. Is that what's more important, justice or mercy? And these are things that are really important in thinking. And I think certainly when it comes down to sort of this, in territories that are more happy with, particularly talking about things like the English Civil War, where mm-hmm. people were talking about religious ideas. I mean, you know, the English Civil War is a religious war as much as it is about the power of the king. Um, because essentially the king decided that he, he derived his power through divine right. Mm-hmm. But when you get into the more puritanical and more protestant ways of thinking they are going back to the old testament and looking at things in that particular way you know it's about justice it's about whether or not you have the right to rule in these sorts of ways and it is much more the mercy goes out the window a little bit more Mm -hmm. it's not and you do have this idea of you know the you know going back to the old testament a little bit more looking at revelation as well which is really an interesting one looking at the book of revelation and that sort of thing and seeing it as like coming into the end times and we're going to like set the world to rights and you know we're going to build jerusalem and england and all that sort of stuff there's literally some of the thoughts were those sorts of things and it's interesting particularly with religion i mean you know particularly focusing on christianity at the moment but i mean 
there's so much stuff in there that's quite complicated and difficult to unpack and i think the thing is it's certainly being sort of like coming from looking at it from the outside and then coming back to it and looking in it's interesting because you do look at some people who who claim to be very religious and believe in god and stuff and you start talking to them about this stuff they have no idea that it exists mm-hmm. i think which is really interesting and i think that was something that i really appreciated about one of the my first school that i went to in japan i was in yokohama at the time mm-hmm. And I went to a Catholic school for one year. It was a pretty lenient school. I mean, because we had kids in that school who were Sikh. We had kids in the school who were Mm. Hindu, who were Muslim. Like, we really did have a little bit of everything, even though it was still considered a Catholic school. And one of the courses we had to take was religious studies. And I Mm. was so happy that I took that course at that time. It was in the seventh grade. And it was a great course because it really broke down what are the different belief systems like at the core of the religion what do they believe in what are they trying to do what are they teaching to their followers what are things that you have to do in your life like within the muslim religion there is one of the things you have to do is to give to the poor you have to be charitable that is literally built into the the religion Yeah, it's one of the five pillars is you have to be charitable and give to those who are less fortunate than you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's so fascinating because it, like, there are different ways that different religions have you do that. But have it being one of your five core pillars of your religion, like that's really interesting. It was just, it was a great course that taught me a lot yeah. and forced me to really think about different religions and how they interacted with each other, especially in a country like Japan, which at the end of the day is not a very religious country. No, it's an interesting one because they, they, they I mean, they've got the, sort of the elements of Shintoism that mm-hmm. sort of exists. There is that kind of animist religion there, but really the, what, the, the, big, the big powerful one is Buddhism by a long way. Is yeah. Know, because Buddhism rules the major, the way I was told this by a very good friend of mine who I remember asking her once, I was like, are you religious? And she was like, well, I guess if I pick one, I'm Buddhist, but I also mm-hmm. go to the Shinto temple all the time. So I don't know. <laughs> but the way she explained it to me was Buddhism in Japan rules the major life changes. So birth, yeah. marriage, death, like those very core moments in your life are taken care of by Buddhism and everything Mm -hmm. else you can go to a Shinto temple and it will be taken like you will go and you'll do offerings and you'll cleanse yourself and you'll put out prayers um but it's very different than what I think the west thinks of as prayers it's more about Mm -hmm. putting well wish and putting like intention out into the world and a lot of the ways of looking at it is it's more about like well hopefully this will help but i'm still gonna go and live my life and do what i can and do the best that i can but you know this might just give me a little extra boost it's just a very interesting almost practical way of looking at religion where it's like i know this is what i need at this point in my life and this will give me a little help but it's not gonna like wreck my day if i don't do this yeah Yeah. it's a very interesting practical way of looking at religion 
which I think is completely different from how we see religion in the West, or at least within yeah. the U.S. and the U.K. Yeah, because I mean, I think one of the things that we we find difficult, I mean, particularly uh, the one of the things uh, you think about, sort of like Roman religion, is one of the things that people talk about sometimes. Pre-Christian Romans uh, would have been what we call pagans, but they have a similar sort of idea because mm -hmm. in Japan you have the idea of the, the kami, which mm -hmm. is people describe it as a as a spirit, but it's probably not the best way of doing it. It's it's the essence of the object that you are looking at. Yeah, they're so like a stone spirit god, kind of, kind of. It, 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 one way I've heard it described is a sort of like you know, if you have a kami, it's the it's the rockness of the rock. Mm -hmm. It's the treeness of the tree. That's the kami. That's mm -hmm. the kami. It's it's the endless essence of the object that you're talking about. So the sea is can have a kami. The the sky can have a kami. The wind can have a kami. But it also can have, this, as I said, the, the rock can have a kami. The tree can have a kami. And there's even sometimes in so some ideas, sometimes a lantern can have a kami. Mm -hmm. It still has an essence, an element of things, and the thing is that Roman religion and sort of that sort of works in the same way. So the thing is, is that they have this sort of stuff um, where they dig up ancient sites in Britain, particularly one of the areas I'm kind of interested in. Uh, I'm not, I'm not like, obviously not an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but places like Bath in England uh, used to be Roman towns, and there's a, there's, a, there's a hot spring there, which is natural. And in places like that, you'll often find these things called curses which are little notes written on sheets of lead that are thrown in to a holy site to sort of like ask the particular god or spirit of the area for a thing or to do something to somebody who's done something bad to you, that sort of thing. So it's, it's a similar sort of thing. You ask the local deity or spirit to do something for you. And I suppose Shintoism works in that way. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's... it's a kind of difficult concept to get your head around if you're not used to it but once you get it into your head it's not that difficult mm -hmm. it's 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 yeah. almost a respect for nature and the natural mm -hmm. world yeah. because yeah. one of my favorite stories when we were living in japan was we would go to arima when we were living in kobe mm -hmm. all the time arima is a village that's in the mountainside and they're known for hot springs they're known for their beautiful yeah. nature walks and Every time you would drive from Kobe to Arima, there's a part of the road in the mountains where we, the road would divide around this mm -hmm. giant boulder. <laughs> like, there's no other way to describe it. It was just this huge friggin' rock. And you would drive around it and then you would just keep going. And I yeah. remember one time asking my friends, I was like, why is this thing here? Like, why didn't they just like move the rock or do something? And they were like, well, they didn't ask the spirit, the kami, of yeah. the rock if it was okay and when they tried to move it they had workers who died or who were injured mm. because they tried to move the rock so to leave the spirit alone is better than to curse the area so they built the road around the rock and so yeah. it's things like that little things like that where there's such an awareness of the spiritness of nature of how like it's so linked and intertwined with us. Like we don't exist without this natural world and vice versa. Yeah. And we really need to be kind and understanding of it. And I think that's very strongly inter intertwined with Japanese culture of that awareness of nature, that awareness of the kamis within 
nature and you have to respect it Mm. you really do have to take the time and be aware of it and like like hanami is one of the biggest celebrations of japan and it's a flower festival like it is literally a festival that is dedicated to the beauty and the ephemera of flowers like there it's this this respect towards the natural world that i think is fairly unique i'm not yeah i mean mean, there's also another thing is you think you think about within certainly as far as i know western europe um you have to think the, the respect for ancient monuments that are actually kind of word is but i mean it's like it's sort of like seriously old monuments that you think are like stonehenge karnak in france and another mm-hmm. one which is really interesting is avebury avebury is the biggest stone circle in england and it's big it's huge it's so big that people built a village inside it <laughs> there is a village inside this stone circle it's a huge ancient monument which is sort of like neolithic or bronze age and i think the thing is, is that people pe- even into even into more recent times people have not have decided not to move these things not to destroy them mm-hmm. because somehow whatever it is we sort of see a certain kind of connection to the past and there are places in scotland still where people have an idea that barrows and viking burial grounds still carry or until very recently people still used to believe that these things had trolls or dead men who could come up and beat you off them if you try to go into these graves and burial mounds mm-hmm. and some of these places still exist so that, you know it's, it's not necessarily a connection with nature as such but a connection with history in a certain sense that somehow these things should be left alone they shouldn't mm-hmm. be moved, they shouldn't be damaged, and they should be preserved. And that's happened all the way through history. Otherwise, because if you think about it, Stonehenge is as old as the pyramids, and it's still there. Yeah. If, if people throughout history had lost an idea of the past or had lost a connection with, who, with what these things looked like or had, you know, they're part of the landscape now. And they always were. Well, as soon as they were built, they were part of the landscape, which is an interesting thing. It's, and it's people, for whatever reason haven't moved them there is still some sort of strange built connection which i suppose is again with the thing with the with the rock in the middle of the road there's this sort of stuff it's like it it cannot be moved it has to be left Mm -hmm. for whatever reason i think it happens in all cultures well it's not why we don't tear churches down Mm -hmm. so i actually have a question a really quick Mm -hmm. one you know just to end everything do you feel like you're missing out from not having a religion no okay (laughs) I think it's important. I think it's important to know about them. I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I take pride in trying to learn as much as I can about them. It's, it's not because I believe them, but I think it becomes much easier, particularly if you're interested in history, art, uh, and architecture, and all that sort of stuff. If you have a, even if you have a passing interest, even music, you need. Mm-hmm. You, you, it is good to have a certain amount of knowledge mm-hmm. because it does help you. I mean, you're not going to be able to understand certain plays like stuff by Shakespeare because there are references to things that you would not understand unless you knew a little bit about the religion yeah agreed Um, totally agreed I think you would need to know my biggest regret I have from college is that I was not able to take a bible as literature course Mm -hmm. I really wish I had taken that because I feel like I would have learned so much and would have given me a better appreciation for so much literature and theater that has Mm. basis within the bible even people who are not religious they do take from it and they do learn 
from the book. So it's something where I really wish I had taken that course. Um, I think for me, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I'm missing out um, because I have built my own ways of creating community. I think that some Mm -hmm. people, they get attracted towards religion because it has that inherent, like, you're part of a community now. Um, But I, I do theater and I have so many other ways of, like, having friends and closeness without needing to believe. Um, I think I'm still a spiritual person. I just don't mm-hmm. think that I necessarily attach it to a religion. Um, yeah. I do wish that I learned more. I Like, I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. I think I'm still, like, actively, like, I don't know this about this religion. I want to learn more about it. Yeah. Um, but I think... Yeah, I think that's the only thing I regret is that I don't know more about... I know the basics. I know, like, the bare bones of each of the different religion, major religions within the world that exist. Yeah. But I do wish I knew more specifics, more, like... Yes. Less bare bones, more full-fleshed. So that's the only thing I I guess I'm... I feel like I'm lacking and I want to learn yeah. more. That's my only personal goal is to learn more about it, but... Yeah, I definitely I, I always, don't feel like I'm missing out. No, I don't. I mean, I always try and learn more. There's always good things on theology and stuff like that to look at. I mean, that's what podcasts are for. Yeah, that is. <laughs> what a great button. <laughs> <laughs> episode, Marcus. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think we're actually going to end it there. Uh, so thank yeah. you so much for listening to Passport Necessary. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review, like, comment, interact with us in any way. You can also find me on Twitter. Um, I, my handle is at Leila Gentil. That's L-E-Y-L-A-G-E-N-T-I-L. You can always send us questions there. Um, if you're listening to us through YouTube, leave us a comment below the video. If you're listening to us on any other podcast uh, session, please feel free to comment and review us. It definitely helps us out. And yeah, it, thank you so much for listening. It's been really fun. It has been a lot of fun. Yeah. So until next time, we'll see you at another time. Cool. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>